Hey, Basic Brown Nerds, this is Joy Valerie. And one of the questions that people are always asking me is, how do I start a podcast? Well, I've been podcasting for almost three years now. And let me tell you, back when I started, there weren't many tools that made it simple to just start. And lucky for you, now there's Anchor.fm and you could get started right away with tools built in, audio features, and also making it really simple for you to monetize on day one. They will distribute your podcast on apps like Spotify, Google Play, and Apple Podcasts. So just go to anchor.fm or download the app to get started and make sure that you share it with us. Hi, Basic Brown Nerds, and welcome back. I'm your host, Joy Valerie, and today I wanted to talk to an awesome friend of mine, Jacqueline Ross, and her co-founder, Andrea Perdomo. Together, they built and sold their company, Revolar. Revolar is a line of personal safety devices, providing peace of mind and allowing people to stay in touch with friends and family or quickly send for help, all with the click of a button. Andrea was the CEO of Live Worldly, a give-first fashion company, and had managed over 100 people before joining Jacqueline as her COO and founder. Jacqueline had been part of Teach for America and working in Colorado before going all-in and founding Revolar. She's also been a featured writer on Forbes. Together, they raised over $5 million in investment. Now they work at Techstars, fueling entrepreneurship through Startup Weekend. And now, let's hear their story. Stand clear of the closing doors, please. My mind is just like so blown right now. Is this still recording? Because I think it caps out. You want to take that story, Jackie? It's a good one. Sure. Um, I, I guess I'll tell my interpretation of it. And Dre usually has better memory than I do. Um, so I did Teach for America when I first graduated from college. I had already had the idea for Revelar that was inspired by my little sister. Um, just real quick, quick recap there. Revelar was a tiny wearable device that at the touch of a button could send for help. So it was, um, you know, after everything that happened to my sister, wanted to build this device, took the job with Teach for America because teaching is clearly a very lucrative career for bootstrapping. <laughs> um, I just loved my time there. And my roommate had gone to college with Andrea and she had this like hotshot job right out of college. Um, Andrea is like one of the most incredible like people managers I've ever met. She managed a hundred people straight out of college at Belk. Um, and she left that like in- that that, you know, sort of fancy job in Atlanta um, and moved to Colorado to do an unpaid internship and three months later became that startup COO. Um, and that's when I met her. So she was literally like on my couch, like in my living room, I think. <laughs> and I was just so ecstatic to meet another Latina. You know, like there's not a lot of us in Colorado and, you know, I'm Cuban Colombian, she's Colombian. And it was just such a I don't know, we just kind of hit it off. Like, I don't know how else you would describe it, Dre, but you just became like my instant best friend. Like, we would go on walks in the park. We'd get Froyo and then go for a walk in this the park. This sounds like a rom com. I found her on my couch. It's like we co founders are like kind of like soulmates because you have to tolerate a lot, right? Uh, Jackie's the first person I met when I moved to Colorado, which, by the way, was very random. So, like, moving to Colorado was random, meeting Jackie was random. And so it just kind of goes to show you can't plan anything. 
it just kind of happens. Yeah. And, and so we just had, we were just friends, you know, we were like young in Colorado, having a blast, getting to know each other. And, you know, I, I was working on Revelar in the background, but at this point I didn't have the confidence to tell people mm-hmm. what I was, what I was building. You know, it's really weird to say, oh, hey, I teach Spanish in the daytime and at night I'm building this high tech company. <laughs> That's my favorite. I can tell. So, Joy, when, um, when Jackie, so Jackie found out that I had like business background um, and I was working for a startup and doing a whole bunch of e commerce things. And she started asking me all these questions about building a business plan and how do you build a business model and how do you produce X? And I was like, you're a kindergarten teacher. Like, what are you doing? Right? Like you can't be teaching little kids this stuff. Like what's going on? Um, so I had to practically force her to tell me about Revel Art. And then I said, that's a great idea, right? Like I can relate to that too. My grandmother, um, I'm originally from Columbia. So my grandmother was actually kidnapped for eight months and you know, very different inspiration from Jackie, but very similar in the sense that Revelar would have been very helpful in both of those situations. So yeah, I was like, you're a teacher. What's going on? Yeah. And so eventually I got the courage to tell Andrea, I made her sign an NDA, which is ridiculous looking back. We essentially created this like deal where I liked to cook. I, was, I don't actually cook a lot. I was going through a phase. And, <laughs> and um, Andrea liked to eat. And so <laughs> she would come over and just like ask me like what was in my head. And I'd start to talk about it. And she being the amazing operator that she is would start to organize it, put it into a plan and start to like help me figure out what were those next steps. And I always say that I thought I was organized until I met Andrea. And then I like, no longer use that word to describe myself. <laughs> um, you're just always very on top of it, Trey. So you basically <laughs> fed her for help? Yeah. And so I would <laughs> and it worked. You, and it was great. Because um, I was broke, so it was perfect. <laughs> I was like, I don't have money to buy food. So sure, I'll help you with her food. I only have my brain. <laughs> that was kind of my tactic in the beginning. Like when you don't have money, you can't pay people. All you can do is try to help them out with whatever mm-hmm. you do have. And at that right. point it was food. Um, and so eventually I, I joke, I tricked Andrea into moving in with me, which I totally did. I was like, you won't have to work for me. It'll be great. And I think three months into living together, I was like, Drea, I need you full time. <laughs> I think it was like a weekend. Um, <laughs> this really is a Rob. It really is. And it was around that time. I'm like Andrea, who is like into very into like tech and innovation and, very forward thinking when had gone to business school, like I didn't have that background. I didn't, mm-hmm. Andrea was the one who introduced me to what a Google calendar is. And like, I know <laughs> it's hard to imagine that I started a high tech company, raised millions from investors. And five years ago, I learned what a Google six years ago. Now I learned what a Google calendar was for the first time. So my favorite story about that, do you remember? So Jackie would, she had a planner before I introduced her to Google Calendar. And she'd be like, why weren't you at this meeting? I was like, Jackie, I don't know what's on your calendar. Like, you have to invite me. Like, I, I, I don't have a – that's why Google Calendar is great. So, no, it was fun. I mean, I think we both learned a lot together. Um, and Jackie, a lot unlike me, is like a huge visionary. So it was just a really great balance of both. It really was. Um, if, if I could see what was coming and Dre knew how to – work with me to get backwards, right? Like mm-hmm. um, it was actually a lot of what I learned how to do teaching, backwards planning. You needed your students to be at Z by the end of the year. So you had to completely backwards think through what were those stepping stones. 
Um, and it was very much the same yeah. skill set as being a teacher. I always say like being a teacher prepared me for any and all personalities. <laughs> <laughs> sure. <laughs> you know? Um, and, and so things like that. And Andrea herself is a great teacher, you know, so she had this whiteboard in the front of our house. That was like the list of things Jackie can't leave the house without. It was like my keys, my wallet, my, <laughs> my computer, my computer charger, paperwork. Oh God, I paper right with. Yeah. It's just like, <laughs> and to my, to this day, I can, some hyper visual. I have mm-hmm. like a form of photographic memory. I can like see the whiteboard and go through that mental list. Um, <laughs> So I really appreciated that she very quickly understood that I can learn very quickly, but I have to see it. You know, it's, I have to like do it. I have to, I only learn through doing, um, which is where Techstars really came in for Andrea and I. Techstars is a worldwide network that helps entrepreneurs succeed. They invest in support and educate some of the best entrepreneurs in the globe. So how did you guys get involved in Techstars? They found us. Um, so Dre and I, at this point, we'd gone to a startup week. Um, this is actually one of my favorite stories because Andrea was sitting next to me laughing so hard. And it was a Denver startup week, um, one of our community programs. And Andrea was next to me. I was sitting in the third row in the, towards the front, like as close to the front as I could be because I think I'm like a Latina Hermione. And <laughs> Right? Like that's generally how I think of myself. And so I had read as a teacher that little girls are less likely to keep their hands up when you say no more questions and they're less likely to shout out. And little boys, mm-hmm. if they want to ask a question, we'll ask a question. They don't really care if you said no more questions. Right. Um, and so there was 300 people at this event, but it was like women in tech. It was people about supporting women in tech. And I was like, if anybody's going to give a damn about what we're working on, it's going to be these people. So I need them to notice me. Mm-hmm. Um, but the woman who was asking the questions who actually became a friend, Lizelle, Um, She was way in the back and couldn't see me. So when they said no more questions, I kept my hand up. And Andrea was like, I mean, you can describe that part, but your reaction. I was just like, put your hand down. (laughs) You know, like, and I was turning so red. (laughs) I'm like, you, I was like, I don't know. (laughs) know. (laughs) Because everybody around us was also just like, this girl is not. Oh my God. I call this Susaning. You know, like you got to be the Susan, you know, like this, the average Susan in a company or anywhere is like that person that's just like, um, can I get your manager and just super hyper aggressive? Like, yeah, I've always been very, very polite, but hyper aggressive. That's a good way of putting it. You have to, I feel, you know, so, you know, you need to like channel your inner Susan sometimes and you're just like, I need to get. I never heard that, but I like it. And so, um, so I did keep my hand up and the panelists started laughing at me too. Like everyone around me is laughing. (laughs) The panelists are laughing. And finally, one of them says like, let her ask her question. She's clearly like not budging. Uh And so it worked, it worked. And of those eight, I said, you know, um, I know business is about who you know. Mm-hmm. I'm a school teacher with no network. I want to leverage technology to end rape culture. Like, where do Whoa. I start if I don't know anybody? Like, I had my question ready. Everyone was like, <laughs> I was like, I was like, you're going to pay attention to me. And um, they all, of course, raised their hands. And only one person said, um, well, actually, only one of those people followed up because it's a numbers game in a lot of ways. Right. Um, but that woman happened to be the incredible Jane Miller. Um, she was the highest ranking female executive at like Pepsi and Frito-Lay. Now she's in, uh, she was the turnaround CEO for Rudy's Organic. And she is just this amazing founder and mentor to women. She wrote the book, um, Sleeping Your Way to the Top and Other Myths About Business, which I read yeah. and is fantastic. It was actually thanks to her advice that I got my first investors. Um, so Andrea and I at this point had met her 
And she had me meet her at the Denver Zoo to practice a pitch. <laughs> so I like went through, I jumped through every hoop you can imagine to get and in front of investors. And at this time you're still teaching. Um, at this point I had left teaching. So it'd been two years, fast forward two years, and Dre and I are living together. And Dre and I, I'm an intern and a CEO and she's my COO and a nanny. So we had like part-time gigs. Uh-huh. Yeah, we had, um, I think at one point, yeah. And I think that's just important to highlight too. Like a lot of people are like, Oh, you know, you built this great company, like how it looks on TV is so glamorous. And, um, I was working four jobs at one point. So I still had my, um, working at the other startup, doing Revelar, nannying and doing database entry for my parents' company. So I was doing four jobs at once and eating a lot of ramen and potatoes. That Jackie and was cooking for you. Uh, yes. <laughs> I I think I cooked the quesadillas, but everything else was definitely her. Um, but yeah, so like it, 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 we were kind of at that point where we were working on Revelar as full time as we could. And it was helpful that we were living together because, you know, whenever we're home after dinner, like we could just work on this stuff and it was fun. Um, but but yeah, it was definitely a, a rough patch in our in our in our lives there. And so we had started to actively put ourselves out there, but we're working these part-time jobs. Um, we had been rejected from like every, we weren't allowed to pitch to like angel groups. Like we were winning competitions, but like nobody would let us like pitch formally to the angel group so we could identify. What does that mean? Like a lot of them had an application and mm-hmm. you had to apply to be allowed to pitch that group of investors. Um, and we just oh, kept so no getting rejected. Yeah, we just kept oh, getting okay. us. No, sorry, this isn't mm-hmm. of interest to us. Then I think Andre and I were in Boulder and we went to my mentor, Jane Miller, and said, hey, Jane, like, we can't keep being this scrappy. Like, mm-hmm. it's time to get funding. Like, we have a prototype. I had We had pulled together a prototype with the original engineers who had, like, helped create Life Alert. Mm-hmm. We had found them in, like, Loveland, Colorado by sheer chance. Like, that took me ages online to research and find <laughs> the right engineers. That's, like, a whole story in itself. And that's, like, a whole other thing because not only were you a tech company, you also had, like, hardware. Yes. So we had to figure out manufacturing, supply chain, packaging. Well, and I think on, on top of that, too, right, like, you know, Jackie's background was in education and my background was in fashion. Um, so no, no tech background on my end. Um, you know, I, I had done a lot of operations and supply chain type of type of um jobs but but never anything in tech and hardware alone right like we found out very quickly how many engineers it takes to build one tiny button 16 it's a lot yeah <laughs> so, that's like a really engineers. bad joke it's yeah like, even figuring out which like so yeah finding that first job was really hard but we had the prototype we had a small team we'd pulled together um and we were just like ready to to get to that next phase and and Jane goes, look, I, I have a friend. He's a VC. And I was like, oh, Ve, another gatekeeper. What's a VC? What's this? Like, I had no yeah. clue that a VC was an investor. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's and how- you're like, no, Jane, I asked you for an investor. <laughs> well, I am, you know, I'm very polite. So I was like, okay, cool. Like, if you think this, this guy can help us out, like, mm-hmm. I'll take the call. Um, and so we get on a call and it's Seth Levine from Foundry Group, one of the partners, one of the top. 10 VCs in the world. Oh, wow. And I had no idea. And I pitch him. Like, I just walk him through our pitch deck. It was super janky back then. 
And he's like, after the 30 minute call, he's like, I like you guys, but you're like really early and I have mm-hmm. no idea what to do with you. And I didn't even know what that meant. I was like, what do you mean we're early? What does that, <laughs> what does that even mean? Like, where do, where do I have to be? He's like, just go do some more things. Like literally he said that for three months and like, come back. Do things. <laughs> so I was like, he's like, make progress in three months and come back. And so we did. We um, And at this point, Andre and I were like, okay, we need sales. Like no investor is going to talk to us without sales. And so we decided to do a Kickstarter. And so um, our team and Andrea started to to work on that. And again, it's like three people. And I get the call from Seth. Um, and so I followed up with him, right? And he's like, okay, what are your, what are your terms? What is he talking about? <laughs> um, and thank God in Jane Miller's book, she says, don't lie. If you don't know something, say... I want to make sure we're aligned on the expectations. Can you send me some resources to make sure and I'll follow up? Ooh. Right? What a line. That's straight up seasoning. You got to use that line. It's a great (laughs) line when you don't know something, which is frequent in my life. Um, And so he sends me Brad Feld's blogs on convertible debt. or Like, you know, safe notes. Like those kinds of things. So convertible (laughs) note is like the way you get funding when you're so early stage that nobody can say, oh, you're valued at a million. You're valued at 2 million. Mm-hmm. It's like, eh, your valuation is iffy because you're so new. Mm-hmm. So we're just going to give you a note as a loan that can either convert into equity, meaning they formally invest, or you pay oh, us back and you okay. keep that equity. And equity for-, for like our listeners, that's essentially part of your company. Yeah, right? equity is ownership in the company. And so if anybody ever needs help on that, I'm happy to. I've, knows, I've lifted enough sheets at this point. <laughs> Andrea and I are working on this Kickstarter. I'm sending Seth terms. I I think her and I almost like held our breath for six days after I sent that. Um, Because then I I did the term sheet. Like I found one because we had won some free legal. So I got a blank Mm -hmm. one, filled in the numbers, branded it, made it pretty. Like I had a total legally blonde moment and like sent it to him. And days later, I was like yelling at Andrea. I was like, why did I make it pretty? Like who the hell makes a legal document pretty? It was blue. Um, You know, but it was still like very shaky for a legal doc. Um, And then we got the call, right? Like, and Seth's like, I asked for 200,000 and he goes, I'm in, but only if we do 250. (laughs) Oh my God. And I was like, pull my leg, give me more money. Um, You're like, hold up, you want to give me more money? Yeah. But that was the last moment that Andre and I ever got to basically work on anything at the same time because he then moved up the date for when we were going to go live on this AngelList platform to raise the the funds from their syndicate, um, meaning the group of investors they had pulled together for this angel fund. They all kind of okay. like can put in on top of that. And what's what's an angel fund angel, different than like a VC fund? Angel is for earlier stage, usually mm-hmm. for companies that are a million or under in valuation or raising a million and under. So he calls us and he's like, change of plans. Can you go live on this platform two weeks earlier? And so Andrea and I look at each other and I'm like, all right, I'll take this. You take Kickstarter. Um, both went really well. Our Kickstarter was a success. Um, we raised 85,000 in 45 days with like limited network at this point. And right? this is in addition to what you... Zero money. Yeah. In addition to, we had one angel investor, Pruffle, who's literally an angel. And then Quickly after, we were discovered at a pitch competition that we won, and Techstars offered us a seat in the class. Oh, wow. Yeah. So that's how we went through our first Techstars program. Then we did a second one the next year with Target, Mm -hmm. because although Andrea had retail background, I didn't. Mm -hmm. And so as we were considering our, our channels, like I needed to understand how retail worked. You're listening to Basic Brown Nerds, and we'll be right back. 
Hey, are you a New York City basic brown nerd? Are you also an entrepreneur? Do you want to be surrounded with people just like you over brunch on June 1st? Yes? Well, I'll be on a panel for the executive brunch hosted by the People CPA with the goal to envision and execute, surrounded by amazing young executives who are crushing the game. We'll be networking, enjoying gourmet meals, and an open bar. Yeah, you heard me, open bar. With gifts, giveaways, and an amazing time. So get your ticket and join me because I'll be dropping some gems alongside these panelists. Check the link in this episode description or go to bit.ly slash bbnbrunchnyc, all caps. See you there on June 1st. Hey, Basic Browners, this is Joy Valerie, and I have some really exciting news for you. We have launched our merch shop, so you can go to basicbrownnerds.com slash shop and rep the Basic Brown Nerd movement. And this is one of the ways that we can keep making high-quality content and bring you season three. Yup, we are bringing season three in 2020. And know that when you go to our shop, you're not just supporting us. You are not just supporting the production of this. 100% of the profits goes back into Basic Brown Nerd so that we can bring you more episodes. But also because I want to make all of the ideas that I have a reality, events, and keep bringing you awesome content that every time you listen or see Basic Brown Nerds, you know that these are people just like you, that in this time where people are talking so much crap about us, that you know that our community is strong, powerful, resilient, that we make things out of nothing. And to be honest, that's how we started Basic Brown Nerds almost three years ago. We started in front of a computer and just trying to figure it out. So if you've been listening since then, thank you so much. And when you shop from Basic Brown Nerds, you're not just supporting this, you are supporting local business, local Guatemalan-owned business right here in New York. So thank you and feel free to reach out to us on social media at Basic Brown Nerds and also to me at Joy Valerie with two E's on Instagram and Twitter. I am low-key addicted to social media. That's literally my career. (laughs) I work in media. So I'm really excited to get to know you all, but also feel free to send me any opportunities, any ways to collaborate to keep making this bigger and keep basic brown nerds going. So see you next decade in 2020. I, I was probably supposed to ask you guys this earlier, but just given your background, right? Like you guys are both Latina. Um, I'd love to know like more about just how you guys grew up, right? Because um, I think a lot of people yeah. often think like, like as you're telling me this, I'm like, whoa, like you guys did so much, right? And I think especially as Latinas, especially as women, people don't ever think that they can do it, right? Mm-hmm. Like they're just like maybe one day or have these ideas and actually like, seeing people who have accomplished this, you're just like, wait, they're just like me, right? And you were, and you're saying how you were a teacher and that taught you so much. And I feel like that's one of the really cool things as to like why I love doing Startup Weekend um, is because you like can tell people like these are skills that you already have. Like there's just fancy names behind things and really translate it, right? Yeah. Yeah, so my background, like I mentioned, I was um, was born in Colombia, 
um, Bogota, and I'd always say Colombia, the country, not the state. <laughs> or the, like I mentioned earlier, so my grandmother was kidnapped for for eight months, and this was all in the nineties in Colombia. Um, and so, as you can imagine, my father was like, you know, heck no, we're not staying here. Um, <laughs> like we're we're leaving immediately. So so I moved to the U.S. when I was six. Um, grew up in North Carolina and from from a very i mean as far as you know being able to see that anything can be done um my father was definitely the number one inspiration for that right he dropped everything he had in colombia to immigrate here with four kids and a thousand dollars and made a life for himself i saw him work you know tons of odd jobs um same with my mother um, and now today they have had their own distribution company and their own business for almost 15 years. Um, and so, you know, just, just for me, like growing up in that, like I didn't, I didn't grow up wealthy. Like, you know, I actually had to go to houses and, um, cause my mom was cleaning houses for a while and I would go with her and like, and I'd be like, this is so fun. Right. Like, you know, 10 year old me was like, this is great. Did the um, people ever just see you there and like give you books and stuff? Oh, all the time. And I was like, I don't want to do that. I want to help my mom. Like, I was like, I want to work. Um, so from a very early, like, that was, that's what I grew up around. I grew up around both of my parents working really hard, put us through private school, which I know they couldn't afford. Um, and then, you know, I went, I went to college, I went to UNC Chapel Hill. And it's funny, I actually originally wanted to be a fashion designer. Um, I got into, you know, UNC Chapel Hill. I'm like, that's a great school and it's affordable thinking about my parents. Um, and I just decided to go there and I shortly realized that they don't have any design schools. Um, so I just figured, well, you know, I could always do business like that, that can, everybody can do something with business. How was it like to grow up in North Carolina? I've only been to Greenville, South Carolina, but Ooh. I'm just assuming that it was not very diverse, but I could Um <laughs> not really. I mean, it depends. Just to start off, like kind of going along with my background. Um, so my parents have been married 36 years and they've moved 32 times. Oh my God. Um, so, so I, you know, my, I, I grew up, I, I've, I never lived in a home more than five years. Um, I never went to a school for more than three years. Um, so my life has just always been changing. And I think that's part of the reason why I, I am so comfortable with change. Right. And as you can imagine, starting a company is just changing every single day. Um, and the volatility that comes with that. So I, I kind of grew up around that. I, um, it was actually a really interesting time for me where I was trying to figure out who I was because I'm Colombian living in a town called Indian Trail, North Carolina, going to one of the top private schools in, uh, North Carolina with some of the richest people that exist in Charlotte. Um, and so it just, I was trying to figure out where I fit and I definitely didn't fit in that world. Um, so that, that was really fascinating from, from the standpoint of, you know, trying to discover your own identity. Yeah. I feel like just hearing this one, I could relate so much to a lot you two of are this. a lot alike. <laughs> <laughs> That's so funny. Um, cause like my parents also had to like, you know, they put me through Catholic school in Queens cause they didn't want me to go to private, to the public school. Right. Cause they weren't so great, but I feel like 
you know, our parents come here and they try so hard to like make sure that we get the best. Right. Even if we don't fit in sometimes. Right? Yeah. Because you're just like, I don't like, you know, I speak weird and, you know, probably like your parents are cleaning houses. And meanwhile, I had friends who were like, oh, exec at this company. Or oh, whatever. my gosh. Totally. Yeah. yeah. Like come over to my giant pool. And I was like, yeah. Oh. Yeah. Right. <laughs> so weird. I'm like, don't come to my house. It's tiny. I share a room with my two sisters. <laughs> but it's crazy because a lot of what you're saying, you know, like, obviously, this is what, like, helped you guys thrive in like a startup environment, having to deal with people that were completely different, being in a space that is just completely, you know, not the most welcoming for someone who is Latina and different, right? And you grew up in Miami, right, Jackie? Yes. I, oh, no, I was I was mm-hmm. born in Miami, oh, okay. and at six months old, I moved to La Ciudad de México. Ooh. So I'm Cuban-Colombian, and I speak with a Mexican-Argentine accent when I speak you Spanish. You also lived in Switzerland, too, right? I did, yeah. So after <laughs> yeah, so after I lived in Mexico for four years, my little sister was born there, La Ciudad de México and Merida, México. Then I moved to Boulder, which is like the whitest place. <laughs> Um, and wait, how'd you end up in Mexico? My dad, um, so my dad passed away when I was 16, but before that he was an entrepreneur and an intrapreneur. So this is just like in your G. It, <laughs> what was really weird is I didn't actually know until I started Revelar that my dad's first company was a safety company. Oh, wow. The first company he started was a safety, uh, different kind of safety company, but, um, People say I'm a lot like him. Uh-huh. Um, my dad was also, both my parents are very inspirational. Um, my mom was a stockbroker for the Lehman Brothers in the 80s, oh, which wow. is a Latina. I can't even Oh my fathom. God, just like even as a woman. Yeah, like I just, <laughs> even today, right? So like in the 80s, I was like, oh, it must have been a nightmare. Yeah. Um, um, so after Mexico was Boulder. Um, I don't remember, I remember loving Boulder. And I remember dad saying we were happiest as a family there. Um, but I also remember being told because Spanish was my first language. Mm-hmm. Um, my mom said I came home one day and said, I will never speak Spanish again. This was in kindergarten. Oh. And she was like, why not? And I said, because the kids make fun of how I talk, Oh, which I think is like super relatable <laughs> yeah. for people in our community. Right. My um, brother um, kind of has gone through that. Yeah. And so I didn't speak Spanish. Like my mom said she tried like mm-hmm. classes, programs. And I just like, mm. And then, of course, irony of all ironies, we moved to Florida a couple of years later. <laughs> todo el mundo habla español. And then I looked like ridiculous that I was Latina who didn't speak Spanish. Oh, you get that and side eye. Like, it's like, hmm. well, why don't you speak properly, right? And so then I had to relearn my first language. Mm-hmm. Um, and I've worked very hard and I'm still not to where I was, you know, when I was younger. Um, and Andrea is Spanish and I, so like, I've worked very hard to learn how to say all the things I say in the business world in the States in Spanish. Oh, wow. Um, which has been a, like, I literally have taken vocabulary classes and had a tutor in Spanish to help me so that I could navigate both communities. After I lived in Florida for you know, South Florida for most of my life, then moved to Geneva, Switzerland. Uh, my father passed away. We moved back less than a year later. I forgot Atlanta, Alfreda, Georgia, in between all that for nine months. Oh, okay. Um, Switzerland, back to Florida. I graduated from college in Florida. Um, I wanted out. Like I needed to, I had seen enough of the world to know that there was a lot more out there. Mm-hmm. I had, I didn't know what was out there, but I knew that I had to leave that community or I was going to never leave. Mm-hmm. And so when I applied for Teach for America, I put Colorado as my first choice. Oh, wow. um, and that's how I ended up. And you still have family college. there, right? Yeah, my family followed me. Um, oh. I'm like the man of the house. And so <laughs> and my, my mom and I left. <laughs> Well, now they're all happy. They're all happy in their relationships. It worked out. At that time in their lives, they needed me more. Now, like, everyone's stable. But, like, quite literally, like, I was, when my dad passed, like, I assumed that role. 
um, to the, the reason I, like one of the reasons like Revelar was inspired was like, my sisters literally said, like, if we get attacked, we'd hide behind you because you're the mm-hmm. biggest and strongest person in our family. I'm like five foot four. <laughs> like I'm not that big or that strong. And so I realized I was like, my God, they view me as the, like the head of the familia. And so it was just, but what was, what was amazing about Andrea and I's relationship as co-founders is not only did we both have this life of like, our parents had to like pick up and move and like lack of safety yeah. and things like that. But, um, our families got along really well. Like my sisters love Andrea. I love Andrea's family. Like we just all, you know, I'm like, hopefully going to her brother's wedding this year. Like it's stuff like that. That's just like, I feel like so few co-founders get that lucky. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and we really did get that lucky. You know, when people say co-founder relationships is like the number one reason businesses fail. Right. Um, and I was like, oh no, we survived all kinds of crazy. I mean, yeah. We like- survived all kinds of crazy together. Um, and I, we rarely ever fought. Would you say that's yeah. accurate? I was like, you went really quiet. I was, I was like, like uh, no, no, we, we, no, we didn't. I think, I think we had some, we learned, at least, at least we learned to deal with our differences and kind of be very um, candor with each other uh, when, when we did have things that were driving each other crazy, which I know happens. I, I think the thing I take most pride in is our investors described us as scrappy, mm-hmm. um, which I, you know, we have always had to be, right. um, which I think is again, like, something is that, like everybody understands. Yeah. It's actually um, really funny. My first job when I got hired, they were just like, we're on a budget. So, you know, we're going to like be scrappy. And I literally just joked. And I was like, I grew up and my parents are pastors and I grew up poor. Like I got this. Yeah. Right. Like it's just, <laughs> it's funny, yeah. but it, it's not like not everybody thinks that they can like live that lifestyle or make right. those, you know, those things happen. Um, and we just knew we wanted to, we knew that this was our opportunity. Like when else in the world could we just bunker down and build things and have nothing else in our lives. You know, we had family and things like that, but like nothing so bad that like we couldn't focus on what we wanted to focus on. Mm-hmm. Um, and so we did two Techstars programs. After the first one, we raised uh, 3 million from Foundry Group. And how many forever grateful for their support. years after you guys, you know, after you started this idea, was this? That was what? Hmm. So technically, I came up with the idea at the May of 2012 because I was graduating from college and used my graduation money to pay to start the patent process. Let's see, so the three million came 2015, so three years later. Wow, and I feel like that's the other thing people totally glamorize the idea of starting a company, right? Or yeah. just even like, oh, I have this idea, I'm gonna raise money, whatever, and like it's not realizing fun. a lot of people are usually hustling, like have part time jobs, you know, like exactly nannying, like doing anything they possibly can. What I always tell people, I was like, it should be fun. Mm-hmm. Like you're gonna hustle, you're gonna be working a lot, so do work you enjoy. Be in mm-hmm. like when people are like, oh, I have this idea, like I'm not obsessed with it, but I think it'd make money. I'm like, if you're not obsessed with your idea, then why would you put yourself through that lifestyle? <laughs> like, why would you do it? Like, it's not like it's not for it's not, it's for, not for everybody. everybody. Yeah. Um, we found that a lot of early team members struggle to scale. We, that's when we started to learn about org structure, or she knew about org structure. I didn't. <laughs> um, and, you know, one of the things that I want to say about Andrea as a co-founder is that she's one of the most selfless people I've ever met. And I've always been in awe of co-founders because I'm definitely that person that, like, I have endless ideas. You came in, you saw my whiteboard. Like, I always <laughs> have some concept I'm working yeah. on. And to, for a co-founder to come in, like, you have to be very selfless because you have to not only, like, fall in love with that same vision and mission, but you have to decide to take all the same risks mm-hmm. as, as the you know, as, as me. 
And I'll never forget when I realized I had made every rookie mistake in the book and I let all of our team pick their own titles, Mm -hmm. which was so dumb. (laughs) Don't ever let people pick their own titles. (laughs) Like, I was like, we're not going to be that kind of company. Uh Like, no hierarchy. Like, you know, fuck that. Right, but you need to give people some structure. Yeah, it was such a bad idea. (laughs) But it was like, we're going to have 24 scooters. Yeah, right? Like, it's going to be great. It's going to be epic. Um, And so. You know, Andrea was really the first person to recognize that I had made a massive mistake. <laughs> <laughs> and when we raised that money, she came up to me and so did our um, CFO at the time. And they both said to me, Jackie, like it was, f- this was all fun and games that you let us have these titles, but like we've just closed 3 million. Like this is legitimate now. Mm-hmm. Like we are going to give up our titles. You can't because you're the CEO. You can't right. just like give up your title right now. Um, they're like, but we're going to give up our titles so that we can restructure this whole company. Oh my God. Wow. And <laughs> because they said, if we don't lead, then people will get angry with you for taking away their titles. Right. Um, and I remember thinking, A, what a self-awareness and B, how selfless. Right. Yeah. Right. And co-founders have to be that way, right? Because you they could just be like, to... oh, that's nice. Now give me a bunch of money. Like... Yeah, right? Like, no. But Andrea took it to heart and, and she was always in the same with, you know, a lot of our team members. They were willing to take pay cuts. Like, we, it wasn't all smooth. Like, it wasn't like, oh, we raised money and a story and we launched yeah, products. Like, we hit rough moments where we needed, uh, you know, a bridge round. Um, we bridge round, meaning like money to help you get through to the next raise. Okay. Um, and I had originally asked for 2 million and our investor said, I'm going to give you three because you're the first time founder and you're going to mess up and need more money. And they were <laughs> totally right. They were totally right. We totally did. Um, when but- I think to the space, right? Like you said, like hardware is hard. Um, I don't know if that's why they intended to call it that, but it is like, it's hard. It's expensive. <laughs> um, like our first product cost what almost $2 million to launch. And that was just in product development. And so, um, by product development, you mean just like people just designing it? Engineering. Like, yeah. yeah. I mean, you know, we can, we can jump into all that stuff, but like tooling, <laughs> like actually making the first one so that then you can manufacture thousands. Like that's a huge expense. It's not cheap. Um, and, and, you know, on top of that, like if, if you're a smaller company, um, it's all about numbers when you're talking about manufacturing. And so we were paying a premium because we didn't have the volume yet. Um, and so, so yeah, as you can imagine, it was like building a team in a space we didn't know about in a, in a product and industry that, that was just more expensive than, than, than any other industry. And I, we just decided to jump into that one. So but in one year, we launched two products that had an average of four stars on Amazon. Whoa. Um, we were super proud of what we built. Um, and we got through it. But, like, it, the team was truly, like, like you know, I always say, like, people give us credit or give me. I joke. I usually get the credit. But it wasn't. Like, it wasn't me. Like, it was a team. Like, there was a whole team behind Revelar. And they were incredible. And they were selfless. And they, they cared deeply about our mission. I mean, very deeply. I think we never had an issue of people being engaged, but it was like too engaged. And so it was, you know, like it it was a very beautiful thing to get to build a team. Like I, you know, I don't know how you would describe it, Andrea, but it's a very bizarre sensation to get to pick the people that will help you bring your vision to life. Yeah. Um, It's very hard when you realize you've 
outgrown certain people. I think one of the best pieces of advice I ever got from somebody who built a billion dollar company is I got to where I got to because I knew how to acknowledge when that team was the right team for that phase and when that team no longer was the right team for that phase. Mm -hmm. And sometimes you recognize that before the individual does. Mm -hmm. And so scalable individuals like Andrea, like um, other team members were willing to give up their titles and make room for those other people. Um, but scale is painful. Um, change management, helping people um, who aren't, you know, Andrea and I are very used to change. Not everybody is. So right. how do you help team members adapt to the rapid and change environment? You know, you give them one direction one day, new news comes in, you got to move in a different direction. And for a lot of people that can be yeah, very stressful. For, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So I think I learned so much about what it meant to really lead a team about, um, I learned everything I know about what it means to be a manager from Andrea. I finally know what OKRs and KPIs are. <laughs> um, people be like, OKRs. I'm like, okay. um, sure. If you want them, <laughs> knock yourself out team. Like, but I'm not checking. You check them. You know, like, no, just kidding. <laughs> but it was still like, like things I'd never heard before. Thank God Andrea had. Um, but it was just, it was an incredible experience. And unfortunately, you know, I wasn't able to raise that next round. Mm -hmm. um, I had a, most of the round filled. Everybody thought it was going to be a slam dunk. Um, the industry shifted. Retail was definitely having a hard day. Um, and and we had prepared for retail. Too. Wearables were having a rough time. And we couldn't get that other round close. Um, we brought in a, you know, a CEO that had a, an immense amount of experience to take my spot after running the company for five years. Wow. Um, and that was really hard, right? It was finally my turn to, to step down. Right. Right. Like at that point, this I, I like wasn't at baby. the position. Yeah. <laughs> um, and unfortunately that just didn't work out. Three months later, he realized it wasn't a great fit for him. And because we knew that, in, you know, investors weren't comfortable with me, they were very, you know, investors are usually pretty blunt. They're like, I've never met anybody like you. I don't in understand like how way. you're in my room. Like, I don't understand why you're here. I usually work with like white and Asian guys from Harvard and Stanford. Wait, and they you're straight none up of those told things. you this? Yes. They would flat out say to me, like, I have no idea how you've made it this far. I have oh no idea God. how you built this. I've known people in hardware for years who can't build this. Like, they frankly were just like, they couldn't. Instead of being we, like, that's amazing. It was just like, nah. Because they're all about patterns. And if you mm -hmm. don't fit into their pattern. They don't know what to do with you. You're you're in enigma, mm -hmm. and it's like oh, you're just an outlier. Yeah, like, and I can't I, have you. And to be this. fair, like I I know I, I I did not understand VC politics quickly enough. Mm -hmm. Um, and so it was it was a really hard lesson. Um, and it was devastating because our team fought till the very end. Um, and when we realized it wasn't going to work out, we we had to make that that really tough call. Um, and I'm forever grateful for the incredible board that we had, the incredible team that we had um, for Andrea and everything that she did. Um, and, and now it's been purchased and under new ownership. So it didn't go quite the way we hoped because we wanted to build it to go all the way, right? Like yeah. we didn't build to sell, um, but sometimes you have to, you have to do what's right for, um, for everybody involved and kind of like admit that it's, it's time to make that switch because at the end of the day, um, and this was before Me Too got huge, right? This mm -hmm. was right before Me Me Too got huge. People A, VCs have an issue with sexual harassment. Mm -hmm. They they didn't understand me. I mean, from every way, shape, or form or angle, we just, they just didn't know where to put us. Um, there's a lot more systems now. There's a lot more investors now who invest in diverse right. people. But at that time, people just did not know what to do with us. Um, so it was really, really rough. Um, and 
I, you know, I, I'd be lying if I didn't say I felt burned out after six years. I was exhausted mentally, physically, emotionally. I, I felt like I couldn't move. I felt like my brain was foggy for a whole six months. Like there was a whole part of my last year. I don't remember. I tell people I'm like, <laughs> if I met you at that time, like, I'm sorry, I don't even remember you. Um, and I'm just grateful for the opportunity to now work for Techstars because essentially now my job is to help founders, especially uh, what I like to call myself a unique founders um, <laughs> with unique experiences, navigate that world. Because my dad always used to say like, your job is to learn the rules of the game and then play them better than anybody else. Yeah. <laughs> and like done, like, but as a first time founder, you have to get everything right on the mm -hmm. first try. Yeah. And like, that's hard mm -hmm. to stick for more than six years. Like after six right. years, like I just, it got to the point where like, nailing everything right on the first try was just not even enough yeah and i recently um heard this term i think i don't know someone sent it to me like representation like burnout right like on top of not just being a founder right you're always the one that has to pave the way like you're the example like you have to be the best right like yeah obviously you're in these spaces and they're like she's the woman she's latina like why is she here and you're just like i have to put on my best face and i'm reading um that michelle obama's becoming and it seems like this is just such a, you know, the pressure that you don't even realize that you're just like, I have to be the best because I'm representing like a whole bunch of people that oh, yeah. are going to come after me, yeah, right? That you're just not allowed to be mediocre. Like, And we knew that they would judge any other Latino or Latinx that came mm -hmm. after us on our success. Right. I'll never forget. It was our first tech stars. And when we started the program, there was two female CEOs, myself and another one. That other company had to close down and leave the program after two weeks. And they were like, I thought the clear winners in that program. Oh like they were so much better than us. We thought, right? Remember Trey? They were amazing. Yeah, they were great. And I'll never forget because it, the, the, female, the CEO was amazing, but like it was just circumstances outside of her control. And I came out of this really intense two hour meeting and I come out and there's a circle of them. There's Rodrigo, my male CEO friend who's Latinx um, out of, Austin and there's this this other female CEO Stephanie and um she looks at me and she goes and like in front of a group of people she goes you're it now <laughs> she's like you can't mess this up the way I did sure. she's like you are officially the only woman who will be on that stage at the end of these three months you are the only one who can make sure that there is some form of representation mm -hmm. and then Rodrigo who would like taken like feminist studies or something in college. He cracks me up. He goes, and you're Latina. And we make, you guys make 56 cents to the dollar. So you also represent that entire community. They're like, don't mess this up. <laughs> and I was just like, I need to go to sleep. <laughs> <laughs> like what? Like I was 25. Oh my God. I was 25. And like, I, and it was very clear. Like I had got, we, Andre and I had been given a once in a lifetime shot and we couldn't, the script couldn't be on our end. Mm -hmm. Like it, it couldn't be us. It couldn't be that we failed to launch a product or we failed to figure out branding or we failed to like, we figured out all those things. It was just like, it wasn't the, you know, timing is just as big of a thing with the company. And we were about six to eight months away from being ideal timing. Mm -hmm. um, and so it was, it was tough. Um, and to be honest, I wanted to hide in a cave. Um, I don't know, Dre, I mean, you, you literally moved to the mountains. I, so, like, yeah, I did. I was like, I don't want to be around people anymore. <laughs> you know, in I moved to New York to be anonymous. Um, and oh, because I you are organized and I am not. And tech stars, you know, um, 
I'll never forget um, Brad Feld, who was one of our investors after everything, called me and he was like, congratulations. That's, by the way, a sign of a great investor. <laughs> I was like, I just lost millions of your dollars. Like, what on earth are you congratulating me for? And he was like, you got so much further than anybody dared to dream you could. Nobody thought you guys could do this and yeah. you guys did it. Yeah, like, nobody can say you didn't. You did it. Like, mm -hmm. it, it's like how things panned out. Like, at the end of the day, I'm responsible for the company. He's like, but you you blew us away. We'd work with you again. Um, yeah, he almost, I literally, and like, it was, it was very healing to have that call. Yeah. Like you've I'm pushed very the thoughtful. needle. Like both of you guys have pushed the needle so much more forward than anyone could even imagine. We hope so because we're really tired of like being the only person. <laughs> Andrea and I had no idea that we were like one of the first like 10 or 15 Latinas to have ever raised more than a million right. from investors. We like, had why no idea. Why would you look at yourself as like, oh, I'm the only one. Well, also like there are so many smart Latinx people that I was like, what? <laughs> like, what is wrong with you people? Like yeah. you're missing out on like your biggest market. Right. Like we are your new market. So you yeah. better get over this whole, like, I don't understand Latinx thing because the United States is the second largest country in the world for Spanish speakers and right. only like following Mexico by few. I mean, we're larger than Spain, anything else. And so our community is literally about to be the community. Right. And like, people are still like, I don't understand why this matters. And I'm like, because <laughs> we don't want to buy your products. Right. We want to buy our products. And I feel like that's the hard <laughs> thing, like trying to find where do we find this, right? Well, like, like the amount of investors, like sweet, very well-intentioned. Like luckily I started a sexual self-prevention company, so I'd never dealt with like pervs, mm -hmm. but it was you know, just like these, that like, clear, like, uh -uh. These, these very well-intentioned, but very wealthy white men would be like, I just don't understand. Are, do people really feel this unsafe all the time? And I'm just like, <laughs> oh my, oh my God. God, you're you can't even hear your own privilege right now. Right. Your privilege is talking right, right. now, not you. It's like I like, think every woman usually texts someone like, Hey, here's my location in case of right? anything. But they just generally couldn't wrap their minds around the concept because they didn't understand us. That means they didn't understand our market. Mm -hmm. um, they didn't understand people with chronic health issues. Like it was just like there was a lack of, I think, empathy in the, mm -hmm. the tech space for why technology like this needs to exist. Right. Um, but it was, no, it is an amazing experience. And I will say this about the tech space is like, it does have innovative people. Right. And all of my, most, I think all of my investors, but one, I had one female investor of like the 36 we had and the rest were all white men. For the most part, except for Profool. <laughs> so overwhelmingly, it was, I don't want to say old, older white men. You know, <laughs> I was 25, 26, so they were a lot older <laughs> than me. Um, white men who supported us. Right. So like what, what I It's also just like a smart investment. <laughs> yeah, it's a smart investment, but they they knew they were taking a gamble on us and they didn't care right. that anybody else thought they were crazy, which is why I love them. Mm -hmm. I like, they never once asked me my age. They never once asked me or even questioned my right to have children. Mm -hmm. They never um, brought up my lack of background. They were just like, let's talk business, mm -hmm. which was so refreshing yeah. to not have to explain myself. Right. They were just like, no, let's talk about your business plan. Like it was never a question about me as a person, it was like, let's talk about this thing you're building. Well, do you guys have anything that you want our listeners to take away with or any messages to potential founders or people just thinking about an idea? Um, yeah, I can, I can kind of <laughs> jump in. I, my, my biggest advice would be to try it. Um, I, I, I've heard a lot of people, you know, they kind of get fear 
of, you know, what if this happens or what if this goes wrong? And, and most likely than not, like if you made a list, you'd probably have more reasons not to do it. Um, but on the, on the pro side of why you should do it would be, you know, you don't want to regret not trying it out. And so I would just say, try it, give it a shot, like surround yourself with people that do know more than you and admit what you don't know. Um, and go learn. And if it doesn't work, that's okay, right? Like, it's it's okay. And you're going to learn from those experiences, and then just keep going. Um, and also, you know, kind of similar to Jackie, like, if, if there's any founders out there that want advice, or that are thinking about something, like, please feel free to reach out to me as well. I, I think from my end, um, it can be very isolating to be a founder. And I think, your team is so critical because they help you build that thing. Um, and definitely the team at Revlar was 100% the magic behind everything that we were capable of doing. Um, but it's also something that can make you feel very lonely because you always know that you're you're a little bit of other. And I think just remember that that's in your head. Like you have to make hard calls. You're gonna have to make hard HR calls, like all these things. But at the end of the day, like you're only as isolated as you, you let yourself become. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, when Andrea and I said, like, we invested in our relationship, like we meant it, we took co-founder retreats, we took the time to like reground ourselves in our friendship, because oftentimes it felt like it was the only thing keeping either one of us sane. And so like reground yourself in your relationships, remind yourself that you have friends, that you have family that love you. Um, and when you're on this journey, like take breaks, but don't quit. Mm-hmm. You know, it's, um, they, somebody told me it takes seven years before you can see if you have a positive return you know, we went for six <laughs> and that's a really big chunk of your life to give. But like the opportunities that we have now, the jobs that we have now, we never could have had without that experience. Mm-hmm. And so I think a lot of people are like, well, how do I leave this, you know, this thing? And it's like, not all at once start with part-time jobs, save up a little bit, you know, like it, it, it's a process and you have to give yourself that long-term vision. You have to know that like, if you have an idea, it's going to probably take you two to three years before you can work on it full time. Mm-hmm. And that's okay. That's normal. That's the normal pace. If you're a first time founder, um, it'll probably be faster your second time around, right? <laughs> like I know it'll be a lot faster for me the second time around. Um, and so it's just, um, don't let yourself get in, fall into that trap of like, I'm the only human on the planet that's experienced this because mm-hmm. um, most of my my peers were older white men um, who were CEOs. Um, I meet them at like the CEO retreat for my investors and things like that. And they're some of my dearest friends. Like when things hit the fan, like they were the first ones that I could call and cry or vent to, or they'd recommend a book or like, here's what I did. And so people are going to look differently than you. Their culture is going to be different the way they express themselves. But like, if you can look beyond that and build those bridges, which you find are like, most people in tech are like really nerdy and fun and like the good (laughs) ones, the ones who are like, you know, the people who want to compete against the best, not just people that look like them. Like those people are, will forever change your life for the positive. And so I never thought I'd have, you know, our old CTO was like, I don't know his age, but he was, you know, he, he, he was retired and he came out of retirement to run for, for, to work for us. And he used to say that, you know, we were 25 of his favorite millennial friends Um, but they were also like my favorite, like, you know, like I, I'm genuinely friends with these people. Mm -hmm. Um, and I genuinely let like myself be vulnerable enough with them to, to let them in. So, um, don't self-isolate. That's a choice. Well, wow. Well, it was awesome talking to you guys. I'm so inspired and I really hope 
the listeners are inspired, like all the basic brown nerds know that, you know, you can do amazing things. <laughs> Where can people find you guys on social media and how can they get involved with Techstars? On Twitter, I'm Jackie underscore Ross. And on Instagram, I'm like, what am I on Instagram? I think <laughs> I'm, uh, you can find me under Jacqueline Ross, my full name. What about you, Dre? Um, yeah, so on Twitter, it's at Drea, D-R-E-A, uh, Perdomo, P-E-R-D-O-M-O, um, and Instagram, same name. So yeah, I mean, and, and again, just, you know, happy to happy to connect with anybody who's listening um, about any anything textures or, or entrepreneurship related. Well, thank you guys so much for doing this. And I really hope I get to meet you, Andrea, in person. I know soon. (laughs) I'm going to have to plan another trip to New York and get out of my uh, snow globe. (laughs) Basic Brown Nerds is a production of Carrera Digital Solutions, where dreams, effort, vision come together to empower our communities through tech and media. If you want to support us, you can make a donation through our website, basicbrownnerds.com, or simply share our content with your friends. Follow us on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook at Basic Brown Nerds.